You're listening to The Seven Peer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders, entrepreneurs, and startups fill gaps, streamline operations, and drive success across the seven peers of business. everybody. Welcome again to the Seven Peer Podcast. We're here today with another special guest. I'm here on the line as always. This is Anthony Rotoli with Aaron Davis as we go into our Seven Peer Podcast. You know, we're going to talk a little bit more about who we have here in a second. But, you know, Aaron, I just figured, you know, in the spirit of we're recording this around Halloween, you know, are there any big plans for the weekend or, you know, going into next week? Obviously, I know there's always something on the docket, you know, on your side. Of course. Yeah. You know, I've got a, a little one in elementary school. And so um, I do plan to collect my mom tax in Starburst um, from the trick-or-treating festivities. And, nice. um, you know, definitely going to do a Halloween party. I've, I need to go pick a six pack of Sprite up, but I might pick seven up. So. <laughs> oh, hey, we'll be here at Reddit Pride. You know, it's pretty interesting because it's like, I don't know if you guys know this, and this might be in spirit of Halloween and everything else, but what do you call a wolf that knows it's a wolf? Um, I have no idea, Anthony. Do tell. Aware wolf. <laughs> Self-awareness. Very important. Self-awareness and in spirit of our guests, knowing that it is another member of the Wolfpack Nation. Um, so I figured we got to get a little bit of a wolf joke in there. And it is right around Halloween when we're recording this. So, you know, as always, you know, we'll see what happens with my kids. They're at that age now where they like to dress up and just hand candy out and do some crazy stuff. So we'll see, you know, what happens here in the next couple of days. But, you know, we've got a really interesting topic today. And it's a little bit of, you know, looking at the things that we've been talking about here in Raleigh, but obviously this extends beyond Raleigh because our guest today has a little bit of a East-West odyssey in, you know, going back, you know, and coming back to the East after going back and forth. So Aaron, tell us who we have with us today. I am honored and super excited for this conversation. I'm uh, thrilled to introduce Haley Huey, who is our guest today, who is at the helm of the Entrepreneurship Clinic at NC State, go pack, um, and sure serves as an assistant professor also of practice in the Pool College of Management at NC State. And so Haley brings a variety of industry experience with her to today's conversation and beyond um, beginning as a journalist in Northern Virginia. She's an advisor instructor in higher ed, and she is also a business and strategy consultant for a school group on the West Coast in early stage startups. So excited to hear more about that journey as we get deeper into our conversation today. Uh, she's spent her time in student-facing programs at NC State in her role as director for experiential learning where she's had a chance to build the living learning community for student entrepreneurs at NC State. And she's also led other signature programs such as the Entrepreneurship Garage, Jumpstart Summer Camp, and help begin the annual Makeathon Sustainability Challenge on NC State's campus. So Haley, welcome to the 7th year podcast. Yeah, welcome Haley. So, you know, the question has to go out to you too. 
Halloween's, I know you have a little one. So Halloween plans, like what's going on? I know this is an interesting time for little ones. Yeah, we're we're really excited this year. You know, I, I think this is going to be the first year that he is just really understanding trick-or-treating. He's talked to me about a strategy uh, as we take our nightly walks around the neighborhood. So, you know, he's already scouting out which houses he's going to hit. I like to see that from an early age. Um, you know, he, he's already coming up on the strategy side, but yeah, um, he's going to be a Paw Patrol character this year. Uh, really excited to have Mighty Pup Chase in the house and yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes as we make our rounds. Uh, but we're, we're super excited and I just love, we live in a neighborhood that is so full of kids. Um, so it's just a really fun chapter for this whole season. It does. It's so fun. Like, cause you go through the cycles, right. With the kids, like some mine are on the other side, but we're seeing new kids come into the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. So it's starting to, to cycle itself again. The key, and he'll learn this really quick is who's got the big candy bars. Yeah. The full size, right. That's the full size ones. Yeah. And I'm not telling you where I live, but my kids are full size candy barring it <laughs> with my neighbor. So they're all older. Like we're going to be the house that everybody wants to come to us. Like by all means, you guys have fun with them. That's amazing. And figure out who the toothbrush house is. Cause we're just going to steer clear houses, of them. Yeah. Uh, my mom, yeah. you know, is a dental hygienist. She keeps us stocked. We're all only looking for candy bars this year. <laughs> yeah, you There's can't always have, that you one that's the floss and the toothpaste. And, and I mean, and the raisins. yeah, right. Yes. right. <laughs> like, no, we can't have that no this is you know it's in spirit of things we need to make sure that this is we know it is okay this week to take candy from strangers yeah <laughs> yeah only, so, only when mom and dad are along that's right and hey yeah, quick right. shout out to you guys for kicking us off with a wolf themed joke i feel I, I don't know if we get that every time on the podcast but that was a, a really good addition i had to throw that one out there because it was it was sitting i've had that one kind of waiting for you you know, and I was like, we're going to time this one right around Halloween. So it all seems to work. So I've got plenty of other ones, but uh, you know, and like, again, it's, you, you're going to get one, whether you like it or not, nice. you know, here, and this is the story that happens around the dinner table every night. And like probably pretty much every time I talk to Aaron, nice. <laughs> so, much. so we've got more, but I'll, I'll spare you from all those today. <laughs> So, so let's jump into it, Haley. Like, you know, this is, it's pretty cool to have you on today. And I know a lot of the things that you're doing out there and I want to, you know, talk a little bit about that. So we've talked a little bit, you know, about obviously from a personal perspective and things that, you know, we all got going on, but, you know, one of the things I always, you know, want to find out is just a little bit more about what makes the people tick, you know, that we have on. And one of the things that I want to know is like, what is that interesting talent, skill, or something that we don't know about Haley that everybody should know about you um, that will, you know, make it for an interesting, you know, conversation? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm going to stop myself from talking your ear off about food and wine, which is probably the thing that we could fill the next like five hours doing. That's okay. Um, Married a chef, love wine as a hobby. But I think the the interesting fact about me, I don't know if everyone needs to know this, full disclosure, Um, but my fun fact is that I was a county spelling bee champion uh, multi-times when I was a kid and I think just like loved reading books and was reading, you know, like grade levels ahead because my parents love reading and they kind of taught me a love and that you could go find anything that you want to know. Um, if you're willing to go find it for yourself. So love reading. And I think that just really taught me, um, you know, the, I think it maybe is an obsolete skill with all the amazing plugins um, and the way AI helps us now, but I still think it's a fun fact. And I think, yeah, that was probably the first time I was ever like competing on a stage in any way. 
that's pretty cool. Like, so I got to make sure every time I either speak with you or write something to you that it's probably, yeah, <laughs> I will get corrected, but here's the, you know, the, the, the reading part I think is critically important because we can get sucked into things and even my kids and, you know, my wife and everybody, you know, it, it is, I want the physical book, right. They want the physical book, right. They're at Barnes and Noble, you know, and everywhere else, yeah. you know, plug, but, you know, regularly trying to pick up books because, it, it is, you know, a learning opportunity, you know, for even if it's just a regular story, right, just to hear it away in which somebody else writes a story. And, you know, this journey that we're all on is about storytelling, right? And there's, you know, a part of the thing that you have to know is, you know, how to tell a good story. And, you know, looking at where you've kind of gone, you know, career wise, it makes a lot of sense, right, with, you know, some of the things that you're doing from the past journalist, you know, background. Sure. in entrepreneurship, in the education field. Um, all of those things seem to connect now, right? When you learn those little kind of facts. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that storytelling is a really important point. Um, I see a lot of founders struggle with storytelling. Um, they love their product. They know exactly what they're doing. They're willing to jump into the data. They want to like explain the business case really clearly, but they forget to tell us why we should care or what the context is. Correct. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the things that I lead at NC State now is the Andrews Launch Accelerator. So I'm going to take early stage companies, help them find product market fit, help them find early adopters. Last year's goal was like everybody will leave this program with paying customers. Uh, which was an ambitious goal that mm -hmm. I was quite Very frankly ambitious. a little nervous about getting to given where we were starting from. Um, and I'm, I'm so thrilled that all six of our companies got there and that they were better prepared. But the critical thing was, you know, you have to build the business, you have to build the model, you have to execute on your product delivery, all of that. But you also have to be able to tell people a really compelling story about why you're doing this thing. Correct. And I think that's important for founders. Everyone that I've worked with at all stages, um, up through really mature companies or, you know, like even early ideation, um, figuring out if this should be a real company. Storytelling is so critical and something that you should learn early and practice often. And it gets better and better. That's and true. it just helps humans connect with what you're doing. So yeah. Super important point. No, I think it is, right? And I, you know, going down, just continue down that vein a little bit because, you know, it connects a lot of dots, right? When you can articulate what it is that you're trying to do and put something behind it that people will remember, right? And I right. think that's the thing is that if you just go tell them, yeah, I do X, Y, Z, they're not going to remember it. But if you give them the story behind why you're doing X, Y, Z, and you can, you know, articulate it the right way, it becomes really compelling to your point. Right. And then it does lead to paying customers. It does lead to, you know, all of these other things, you know, having been part of, you know, a lot of different companies, mm -hmm. we had a story for every one of them or they wouldn't have been successful. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, that's yeah. why, you know, there's a lot of good ideas and great ideas that just kind of go unnoticed because somebody hasn't figured out the right way to go for the solution fit, the product fit, you know, et cetera, to drive revenue. Right. And ultimately, if you're starting a company, that is the goal. You know, right. um, it shouldn't when we've talked about this before, it shouldn't be the thing on why you do it, but it should be an end result. Right. But if you don't mm -hmm. tell the story, yeah, it's not going to be the end result. Yeah, I, I do think sometimes uh, people build really cool products or, you know, they execute on cool science or whatever it is. That alone is not enough. 
uh, without the why or the context so that you can connect with how this works in the real world. Like, why is this a compelling solution? What is the problem actually like that you're solving? Um, So being able to back people up, sometimes the most talented engineers that I know are so focused on delivering this perfect solution, um, which they can do. They're so talented. But I think being able to back up and and then explain that to other people, um, your investors are real people, your clients are real people, your your channel partnerships are real people. Um, So thinking you, you can't leave out the human element. No, you have to have the human element in it, you know, and all of that stuff requires transparency, right? And it requires really understanding where everybody stands, you know, with all of that stuff. And to your point, you know, there are some super talented engineers and technical people that I've worked with, you know, over the years as well. Um, and, you know, if if they can tell the story, there's the, you know, the saying that I've always, you know, used, I don't care what part department are in, you're always in sales, Everyone is in sales. Yes. Shout out from the rooftops. I am a believer. And honestly, the the year that I spent in sales, I learned that in California, um, it was probably the hardest year of my life because I felt woefully unqualified. I, it is a true skill that you're learning. You know, I think a lot of times in school we teach strategy, we teach how to evaluate different things. Um, but out in the real world, when you're building a company or you go into something like sales, you're building real skills. Yeah. And I, every job I've ever had since then totally taps into that skill set. So I'm a believer sales for all. Yeah, you have to be. And even in the technical roles, like even if you have to sell the idea of something you want to go build yes. for internally. the team that you're working with yeah, internally, right? And I think that becomes, yeah, you know, look, having sat in the higher seats, if yeah. somebody came in and just said, hey, I have this idea, okay. Yeah, right. take my word for it because I wanna. Those are yeah. not valid excuses. No, those are not valid. So you want me to spend how much money on you know going to build that, and yeah. there's no outcome, yeah. <laughs> right? So you know, tell me why we have to do this. You know, what are the customers saying? All of those things, right? Are you have to sell that vision, right? That that's a part mm-hmm. of it because you know, in most likely, yes, it's the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the thing is, is I can't just take the word for it. You can't just take the word for it. We, as you know, companies just can't take the word for it. Right. Because um, I said, so doesn't exist in business. Like that's yeah. handy for me as a mom. I, I fully use that in my house all the time because I said, so, um, that does not have any place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, Haley, something you said and, and Anthony as well, like, you know, communicating the vision externally, but you got to make sure that your team is in sync and rowing in the same direction before you can even think about, you know, avoiding the mixed messages that you're putting out there to effectively communicate your why behind the why. Yeah. Cause if you don't have that why and you say to one person on an internal team, it's eventually going to go external. Right. And it's going to make yes. it unclear, right. To the outside world as well. And that's why, you know, I say, you know, Oh, you're always in sales. Like even if you're, you know, working for yourself and doing your own thing, you're selling yourself, right? So you, you've got to understand that, you know, and again, it's part of the human element, right? It's in every stage of every part of our lives, when you're in school, right. when you're dating, when you're doing whatever, at some point you have to sell yourself and what motivates you. Uh, you know, so it's always interesting to me just when I talk to, you know, a lot of early mm-hmm. stage companies that, you know, aren't trying to get on the forefront of and going back to where mm-hmm. this all started, which was storytelling, right? It's ultimately, it's a form of sales. Right. You know, and that's really why, you know, we go back to the books, why people go on book tours. Right. What are they doing? They're selling their book. Right. You know, and they're telling the story about the story. 
Uh, so it's, you know, it's always interesting to me. And, you know, you mentioned something too, like when you were in California, yeah. which is, I think, an interesting journey you've had, right? You, you were here in the Raleigh area, then you went to the West Coast, and now you're back here on the East Coast, which again, the East Coast is the best, and we all know that. Um, but, you know, as a only East Coaster growing up on the East Coast, but, you know, that's it. I mean, you obviously have learned some differences, right, between just yeah. kind of the way things operate from, you know, being on the West Coast in California and just coming here back to Raleigh and back and forth. You know, what are those some of those things that have influenced you, especially now coming back, right, inside of what you're doing with the entrepreneurial, you know, stuff at, you know, NC yeah. State and the ecosystem and helping grow some of these companies? Yeah, gosh, that's a great question. And and I want to be clear about one thing. People love to tell their story as if it's this like perfectly planned linear journey where obviously this was the next step and and mine felt more like a game of pinball. Um so I I just want to debunk that you have to have this like perfectly planned journey. I made a lot of decisions uh based on things that I wanted to do uh versus things that made total logical sense to myself, to my parents, um on my resume and and other things. Like whoever I had to sell at the moment um, so yeah, I, it was really interesting. I grew up in the Southeast, um, uh, between North Carolina and Georgia, um, moving outside of DC when I was a journalist was really fascinating because as a journalist, you have to learn something well enough to explain it simply to another human. Right. And so every story every day was a different exercise and learning something. Maybe I need to become an expert on gasification today so that I could explain like the sustainability impact to the local residents. And that was really interesting to me. And I thought, gosh, well, th there's so much to learn out there. And I happen to want to live in California. Um, I had kind of fallen in love with the Bay Area in San Francisco. Um, and so I made that decision because I wanted to. And I'm so happy that I did because it, it also, it was the thing I didn't know that I really needed. Um, it accelerated my learning. It accelerated my career. It helped me meet so many different types of people from all over. Very few people in San Francisco or from San Francisco. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was truly a melting pot in every way possible. Um, but I, I got experience in everything from working in corporate America, where I got to kind of like grow up through a pretty mature organization. Um, I ended up being almost a fixer, um, where I would go out to these different units and help senior leadership figure out um, everything from like going through the P&L together in a really granular way to say like, let's, let's talk about profitability challenges, um, commercializing product services, training and development. You know, it was, it was very much being kind of a Jane of all trades, um, hopping around between California, Oregon, and Hawaii. And that was a great experience for me, um, though I think, you know, that specific company um, wasn't where I saw my long-term growth. Sure. I learned so much and I was able to tap in with this extra pent-up energy that I had on fixing and strategy um, with startups in the Bay Area, with networking, you know, I became really active in a lot of those groups. And some of my friends were building startups, um, spending out a Y Combinator, meeting local investors, um, and just some of the entrepreneurial support organizations. So that definitely fed my love of starting and growing things um, that you play an active role in. But I was downloading all these helpful systems and how companies work. And oh my gosh, here's a here's a thing that you don't have to learn the hard way and being able to pass that along to startup founders to say, you know, hey, have you thought about how to structure the people, places, and things that you need to help grow your concept? And, you know, for me, it was, it was truly kismet when I, you know, I had gotten a pretty good handle on the pace in the Bay Area and how to establish. Um, mentor relationships, how to deliver real feedback, like performance 
Um, there was just limitless growth ability. But for me, there's no place like home. Um, I agree that East Coast is the best coast. And, you know, around the time that we wanted to start a family, it became a conversation that said, I have benefited so much from being able to learn so quickly. You know, I got the MBA of life. Um, being able to actually work on real companies and learn all these lessons. How might I deliver that same value um, to people at my alma mater that I care deeply about? Raleigh had turned into such a wonderful place to live. And we know that this is a major tech hub. Um, there, We just saw so much potential for growth to be able to do that in a way that improved quality of life. So yeah, to answer your question, I just went and downloaded all the skills, the habits, um, the exposure. And then I came home to a climate that you know, it was almost like Southern hospitality. People were so welcoming. They were so willing to help what they said they wanted to do. They would follow through and do it for you. Um, and I, I just wanted to be part of that. Yeah, no, I think that's great. There are a lot of little nuggets that you dropped in there that I think are really, really important that I, you know, I want to call out because, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, even in my background, which is about transformation, right? And helping organizations transform and taking them from X to Y and doing it at a scale, Right. That wasn't even thought about. And, you know, that is a very difficult role to help organizations through. And I've talked about this. Sometimes I think it's harder than just starting right. um, when you're taking something that's already been kind of moving in a direction and then saying, nope, we're going to go in a completely different direction. Yeah, Change management and, is actually harder than being yeah. able to be the architect from the beginning. Totally. That's, yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go. It's like, mm -hmm. I, you know, and I think, yeah. you know, a lot of people see change as a four letter word and it's not right. Change management is a skill, right? It is a skill to be able to, you know, help and do some of the things you've done, right? And one of the other things that you said there too, which was, you know, really cool, which was mentorship, right? And mentorship is, you know, one of the catalysts for lots of people that have been highly successful in their careers. And success means lots of different things to lots of different people. That doesn't monetarily mean success. It doesn't just mean you're good, right? You're, you're okay with where you are in your stage of life, right? And those people, everybody I've talked to, even including myself, has had mentors and has had people that you've grown up with. And that has been a good sounding board, right? For the one thing that was another piece of nugget, and I want to call this out that you said was structure, yeah, right? And being able to learn how these machines, these big organizations have operated and been so successful all right, is because you've had lots of people that have had all of these things and understand structure and process. And you can do structure and process even at a small organization. You can do it with two people. Right. Um, right. Time management comes into that. Change management comes into that. So I, I just want to call those out because you drop some good nuggets, you know, in there for everybody, you know, that's listening because this is critical in scaling and growing and becoming transformative, right? As an organization. So I don't, I don't want those things to go unnoticed in what you just said there. No, I think that's a great call out. And I, gosh, I feel like we could talk for the next hour about mentorship and the value and things like that. But okay. So Anthony, I have a question for you. Um, talking about mentors being such a critical part. I mean, I, I love to tell stories about things that I've lived and I, I believe that there's not just one mentor for every person. You probably need, um, a small army of really talented mentors that you, you rely on in very different ways. Um, and it's a two way street, but can you tell us about a time that a mentor really helped you solve a sticky problem or gave you a piece of advice that you still think about? Yeah, I mean, I, there's lots of those because I've got two really good mentors that to this day, when I've got some question about how to handle some situation, I usually will pick up the phone mm -hmm. 
and call those people. This isn't a, hey, I'm going to send you an email. Let's just be clear. Mentors are meant to actually speak to, right? So I want to call that out to people. So, you know, of these individuals, there has been several times and, you know, one in particular, you know, I've had, you know, through the years, right, you deal with tech problems and you deal with all sorts of stuff. And I've got, you know, one good mentor that's been on the tech side, you know, of me. Um, for a very long time, it was actually my first boss that hired me into the company I worked for. He's still to this day, somebody that I use as a sounding board. And, you know, one of the things was, it's like, we've got this customer situation. How do I handle it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's very, you know, very buttoned up on, you know, the customer process, what things you should do. And he's, you know, obviously a little bit older, so he's gone through some other things. And, you know, I remember very clearly several years back having this situation and just picking up the phone and saying, Hey, look. We've got a situation. The customer's not happy. These are the things that happen. What do you suggest? Before I pick up the phone and call this customer, what do you suggest? And he's like, here are the three things that I would do. And he laid them out. And I was like, you know, that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I got. And I won't tell you who the customer is or what the situation was. But what it was, was is it was three very clear points that I should make to the customer to make them feel okay Mm-hmm. And that we were going to resolve the concern. And, but I didn't want to pick up the phone until I just had some other sounding board to do that before, because I knew he's been through those situations and those are the things that, you know, always do it. And I've had others, you know, with my other mentors too, over the years, I think it's a great question, Haley, because I, that's the whole role of having mentors, right? And I've got people that call me now that I've been, mentoring, not realizing, right. I've become the mentor, you know, so now you look at it and it's like, you know, the roles are starting to reverse as, as you move through your career. And there's some individuals that will call me, you know, I've got this thing. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. And I think that's critically important. And I remember clearly I called him back after it was done. And I said, man, that was probably one of the best pieces of advice, had a great conversation with them. They were completely cool with it. You know, they understood where we were coming from and what we had to do to go resolve it. And Mm -hmm. here we put a plan in place and they were good. And I was like, you know, if you would have just picked up the phone just because somebody came into the office and said, we've got a problem, it would have completely, in my opinion, would have went down the wrong path. But it's just having, because, you know, and I've talked about this, when you're in the CEO role, like you don't really have a lot of sounding boards in organizations. And even if you're a two person company, a three person company, a five, a 50, a hundred, whatever it is, you, you need some of those people around you for those types of things. So yeah, Haley, that, you know, that's one of the ones that, and I, you know, there's a very distinct thing that I know is in the back of my head of what that problem was, right. But it was so critical just to get that 10 minute conversation Mm -hmm. to go, all right, what do you think? Do this. Okay. And then worked. Well, it's interesting too, because sometimes like what you're describing, I think everybody probably has that moment they can go back to in time and be like, oh my gosh, crystallizing like this, this saved or or this redirected or did something critical. And I think that you made a great point there that like sometimes people aren't even labeled as mentors and you don't even realize that you're mentoring. Um, some people are great about formalizing that and, and just making it really clear. There are programs that do that. You know, we match entrepreneurs and residents as mentors and things yeah. like that. But I think there are also really organic ways that that develops over yeah. time. And, and you sit on both sides of the table sometimes, depending on where you're at. Yeah, you do. And look, then a lot of times like these become friendships, right? And, you know, that's the different thing where it's not just about, you know, the business related, right. you know, side of it, right? Good mentors are just pe- good people you surround yourself 
you know, with, you know, and sometimes, you know, and I, you know, I talk about this sometimes internally in your own household, right. Having those relationships and being able to have those discussions, having, you know, other colleagues, you know, like here's Aaron, you know, on the call, you know, with us and she's been with, you know, working with me for a while, just be able to, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? No, you know, let me tell you another bad dad joke. And should we like, no, <laughs> you know, so. yeah, it could be really lonely too. And, and even, you know, sometimes it, yeah. it doesn't help to keep ruminating on something with your team that's like in it every day. So sometimes having that fresh perspective can be really helpful. What I notice um, with early stage founders, but I won't say it's exclusive to them because I think humans in general do this is they want to go to a mentor to find the right answer, assuming that it's singular, assuming somebody can just tell you this, like, one clear sound bite. If they can, great. Like you have the right mentors and the right problem. And that's amazing. But frequently in my experience, I, I had a, a favorite boss in California who was just so emotionally intelligent and a fantastic leader. And, and I really watched people. Um, and, and, you know, she was um, a female leader in a pretty male dominated team. And, you know, she absolutely like held her seat at the table and was able to express things and explain things really clearly um, that got buy-in from people who may otherwise not have signed off easily. And, you know, she was great at challenging me with just like how to think about things. Like, here's what I would think about if I were sitting in your seat. Hey, have you tried? Have you thought about um, some of those things where she was not telling me um, the right answer because A, that didn't exist and B, it wouldn't have been helpful. But it was a lot of like coaching on um, leadership decision-making. And I still, that's kind of become the voice inside my head sometimes when I'm noodling on a really sticky thing. Yeah. And I have one of those individuals too. It's just, you know, the, I'll go to her, you know, when I have some really sticky wicket kind of thing where you've got to go, Hey, just, what do you think? Yeah. Try this. I, you know, and I think you're right. Like having that person that you've seen be a very successful leader in their own right. And, you know, also having, other, you know, success in different way, you know, aspects of their life and being able to go and bounce those ideas. It's critically important. And, you know, I think, you know, mentorship is just like one piece of all this stuff. You know, there's the part of education too. Yep. Right. And, you know, we've talked about this and, you know, in our conversations, not here, but we're going to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. You know, the education part of this is important too. And, you know, part of, you know, what I witnessed with, you know, some things that you're doing and some of the other, you know, opportunities in the area is that, you know, a lot of times you don't learn these things. You said the MBA of life, you said it earlier. Um, I like to look at kind of my career and everything in a similar way. You know, education doesn't just mean the university led education. It means being knowledgeable and a sponge Mm -hmm. to learn, right? It's not about that the fact that you went through this formal program and that's it, my education stops, Yeah, right? Your education should be happening. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like some of the things you've witnessed, right? With some of the, you know, you've got a, a bunch of college age, you know, students, you've got some that have been a little bit more mature with the accelerator programs, right? You know, what are some of the success stories, right? That you see, right? Where, you know, again, it's a basis of education, but there's other ties to that, you know, and what comes out of the programs with this. Yeah, you know, I I think that I have the best job on campus, and I will shout that from the rooftops. Um, I I love the work that I do, and I joke that in my job, I've worked with everyone from elementary school students in uh, like summer camps up through seasoned executives nearing retirement age um, through executive education and everything in between. But yeah, a lot of my work focuses on college age. Um, sometimes that means people coming back as career changers or people who want to learn new things, and they also want to start companies and build products. Um, so it's a pretty diverse mix. 
Um, I think you're right. The, the old model of education taught you a lot about theory and conceptual constructs, and you had to ace a test or fill in a blank or whatever it was. I watch psychological discomfort sometimes with students who have really excelled in that world, um, where they want the formula, the right answer, just tell me how to do this. My grade is important. And then we have to have a a discussion about how the classrooms that I'm involved in uh, mirror how the world works. So there's no single right answer. Um, the things that help you in life should help you here. You got to show up. You got to do your part. Um, you should be shouldering some of the heavy lifting. You have to be creative and, and offer critical thinking. But I think it's been great to see in higher ed in general. Um, I see it every day in pool college management, this investment in high impact experiences, which really provides such fertile ground for students, aspiring founders, but just people who want to learn more and, you know, develop skill sets to do that in, in very practical ways. Um, I love putting students directly to work on startups. I love that they get, you know, founder level access to understand and unpack what's going on as you're beginning to build a company. And you can't learn that just from, you know, reading a book or, or a case study or sitting in a classroom. You have to learn it by doing, and you have to make mistakes and be redirected and, you know, that's that's the best way to learn it. So I think just that emphasis on practical skill building, in addition to all of the knowledge base that you're building is like just the most helpful direction we could be going. Yeah, because I think you can get lost right in just what the book says. Right. right. And, yeah. you know, it's great. It's a great foundation, you know, for things. And uh, I think there's lots of things that can be learned and just how you do some of the basic, you know, stuff. But, you know, when you try to bring it to practical real world. Oh, well, that didn't say that. I didn't know that's how we should do this. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you have to just learn it right as you go. Or again, going back to what we were talking about, like looking at mentors and other, you know, people around you. You know, I think that is one of the cool things that what the program is doing with the pairing, you know, mm -hmm. approach. And, you know, it is very different where you're getting paired up with people that are, you know, going through the journey uh, with, you know, some of this, if you're, you know, college age or even coming back, like you said, you know, sometimes it's a, do you really want to go do this? Is this the thing you want to go do? And, and that's, I think a thing, you know, that you got to put out there too, because it's not for everybody. It's not for the faint of heart. It is a very difficult road. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's a little easier. Um, but in, in general, right. I look at it too and go, you know, again, whether you're doing it for yourself and you're building your own thing or you're doing it with a whole bunch of other people, all of these dynamics come into play, right? How to work with, you know, one of like you just said there, right? How to work with these others is a skill that you have to learn. And sometimes, you know, just the way it is in, you know, college and stuff, you're working on your own individual work. Mm -hmm. But if you can't go and team up, you know, with other people, because guess what? In the real world. Yeah you're going to have to work with other people. Life is a team project. I had a student come to me a couple of years ago and they were expressing frustration in a group project. Um, and they basically said, I can't wait to graduate because I'm so tired of team projects. And I, you know, I, I think maybe I did a spit take with my coffee. I can't confirm. Um, but I, I had to look at them and say, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I understand you're having a tough time with this specific team. In in your career and in life, you may choose to leave a specific team or organization or whatnot, but life is a team project in your personal life and your professional mm -hmm. life. Like sometimes your your client is your team member that you're problem solving for, but um, no matter what, very few people have the luxury of navigating this path for just one person. So I think um, we, we always have to back that up, but, but it is about, yeah. How do you navigate tricky things? How do you, how do you spot talent? How do you grow the team members that you want them to be? Even as a peer, 
um, learning the skill of project management and being able to clearly delegate, clearly communicate expectations. Um, those are things that I see people develop rapidly that really serves them. Well, you know, I think, you, you know, that you said something there too, just about how you kind of see those things, right. And those qualities that come out, because that comes into a lot of, you know, how you manage talent, mm-hmm. how you grow talent, how you see something in somebody, right. And you help push, you know, that forward. And, you know, sometimes look, I've had those luxuries throughout my career where somebody said, Hey, I, I think you're better at this. And then here you go. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got one choice, sink or swim. Yep. Right. And, you know, for those that, you know, can identify that early and, you know, the fact that you're teaching that and showing that in the classroom today is it's important because that is what's going to happen the second they walk out, regardless of what their trajectory is. And, you know, it's it's really from my, you know, to your point, it's about experiences. Right. And it's you only, you know, look, 20 years ago didn't know a lot of the things that I know here and, you know, getting to the point where you've got to learn those things. Yep. And it's really important to really, you know, for defining what their success story is. Yes. And, and let me say that that's another misconception. You know, a lot of times people think that folks who run entrepreneurship programs where innovation and entrepreneurship, um, they think that the singular goal is to start companies. And to be clear, I want to build a really robust, I hate that word, Uh, I want to build, you know, this really powerful new venture pipeline. Um, And I think that's important, but that's not my goal for students. Most of my students won't go off and start companies. By the way, companies need really talented people at all stages and in all different positions. My goal is to accelerate their careers. I think it's amazing when we can accelerate companies and we should build programs that do that. But ultimately, I want to build high growth individuals and expose them to the things that help them, um, you know, skip ahead three, five, 10 years um, as they're layering on different skills and experiences. So that I think is a, a common misconception that I try to correct all the time. Well, and that was, you know, look, Kelly, obviously, you know, for those that are listening, I was a part of, you know, one of the classes, you know, a little, uh, a week or two ago. And, you know, this was where a lot of, you know, this conversation sparked and why I wanted to have this, you know, kind of out there. Uh, you know, that was one of the questions I asked, right? I, I asked who wants to do this? And there were only a handful of hands mm-hmm. that went up. And actually that showed a lot of self-awareness right. for, you know, people that maybe it's not the journey they want to be, but they might want to be a great person in communications, you know, journalism, you know, or finance or, you know, things like that. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like building companies requires all of those things, right? Building successful careers and, you know, humans requires all of those things. And it was really kind of insightful just that a lot of the students already knew. Like they knew that maybe that wasn't for them at that stage. Doesn't mean it wouldn't be, you know, later down. Yeah, you could change. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay, right? That that is the way things work. And it was really, really interesting just on I was surprised just on how aware they were to ask certain questions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, of that. And, and, and that shows a lot of really what is coming out of, you know, this kind of next wave, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, of people. And I, you know, I don't want to call them entrepreneurs or anything like that, but this next wave of, you know, of people that are coming out is going to be really interesting, you know, to watch because they're thinking about problems differently than we've thought about problems. Um, you know, you guys, obviously my kids are a little older, you know, than yours. I'm seeing them look at things in much different ways and your kids yeah. will look at things in much different ways. Right. And this is the story of life, right? It's like, you know, we've got different tools in our, at our fingertips 
we've got all these different things. So it's, it's pretty cool just to watch. And I, I, I thought it was pretty insightful that a lot of these, you know, students in the classroom, like were like very aware and knew and were looking for, you know, those pieces of information. And there were some questions just about learning the soft skills that were, I thought was super interesting. And I remember one of them was this, all the, you know, the student was asking was trying to understand what are some of the things that you kind of live by. Right. And, you know, those are interesting questions from a student. Right. And right. you don't wouldn't you wouldn't think that most of them would be aware to ask that question. Yeah. Well, of course, my my students are so advanced. Uh, I can take no credit. <laughs> All right. Well, credit. that's a Yeah, we'll give you that. Yeah, give you that they, it is interesting, though, to watch the, the different generations. So I think a lot about that, like what's coming with a pipeline of K through 12 currently. Um, what about folks who are going to be, you know, business leaders in 30 years? And mm-hmm. how will the landscape be different? How will they be solving very different problems? What should we be? proactively doing as parents, business leaders, educators, um, to help better prepare them because our, our future kind of jointly depends on each generation. Um, so yeah, I, I think about that a lot and what we do um, from a community standpoint, um, inside and outside of the classroom. Yeah. And I think, you know, just looking at what you were, you know, what you're saying, like inside and out of the classroom, I, I got to imagine, you know, when they come in, you know, to the program and they come out, right, you're seeing such a different type of individual. Yeah. And, you know, I've got, I got a little snapshot, you know, uh, of what I witnessed yeah. and it's got to be really cool just to watch that progression yeah. that happens over that, you know, over the period of a semester. Yeah. And then watch them. My favorite thing to do now, we're trying to do a better job of tracking, like what happens if we believe we're creating high growth individuals, what does that look like? Um, and I don't believe that the, the single marker is what does your job look like right after graduation? For me, we're playing a long game here. Maybe these people go off and start companies one day, maybe they become high growth leaders, um, in the, in the for-profit or nonprofit space. Maybe they do something unique within their community. Um, so doing a better job of being able to track people over time, if these skills and mindsets are helpful, if we believe in an entrepreneurial mindset, um, growth mindset, whatever you want to call it, then what what difference does that really make 10, 15, 20 years after graduation? And, you know, the jury's out, but I really look forward to seeing like all these successes along the way. Well, and I've met some of the, you know, the students that have come through that program, you know, here locally, like yeah. they, you know, knowing some of the successes that are starting to, yeah. you know, show. And again, it's, it's still in, you know, the infancy, you know, of all of this. But when you start to look at what is happening within the last few years and, you know, having, you know, seen and met some of these individuals, it's pretty cool, you know, to kind of see because it is, it's got to be, you know, it is a different approach. Right than just going back to the standard classroom level, you know, thing. And, you know, I think that's pretty cool. So just kind of leaving people just before we end here, you know, advice, experiences, something that you think people should take away, you know, from the conversation, just to kind of put, you know, that because you're leaving a lasting impact as an educator, right, on people, you know, and working with everybody, but just anything really memorable advice or something you want people to leave with. Yeah. I mean, I think I would underline something that you said early on in the podcast, Anthony, and that is to, to truly be a sponge. Uh, because I'm, I'm a believer that there's like, there's no single book that you should read. There are probably a thousand or more and every conversation you have, every work experience, even if it's a terrible experience, um, take, take the things good, bad, and in between. And just, if you approach things as a sponge where like you have to extract some value from every single experience, you have something to learn. Um, I believe that you, you know, my advice for students and anyone is to, 
um, just make sure that you're taking advantage of all the things coming your way and, and clearly recognizing them all as unique opportunities for like growth and learning and all of that. Then that just strengthens you. You're building this toolkit of amazing experiences and wealth of knowledge. And I think that that kind of becomes your, your superpower. No, I think that is a superpower just to end on that, because that, that whole concept of even the bad experiences are not, if you take them the right way and you've learned, mm-hmm. you know, from them, Hey, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> right? They have been you know, some that, of my most powerful learning experiences. Truly. They are. Cause they, they, they're the ones that leave the marks, Yeah, <laughs> right? Like they go, you know, learn from that. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? So, uh, you know, I appreciate you being on with us, you know, and, and sharing a lot of these insights because it's been, you know, it's really enlightening just kind of hearing in the perspective of what, you know, a lot of people have been asking us and why, you know, we put this all together because what we have is, you know, different people from all facets, um, you know, that are listening and subscribing, you know, to, to what we're doing here and just how do we foster that growth, right? And growth is, and success is something different for everybody. So, you know, what I want to do is just thank you for, you know, spending the time with us, you know, and really kind of sharing, you know, a little bit of what that's doing. So, you know, I think, again, there's more conversation we might have to have, you know, in the future, but, you know, for now, at least, you know, for those that are listening, you know, feel free to, you know, share and reach out to Haley and, you know, hear, you know, and see, I know, again, another teammate in the networking of the area. Um, So I'd like to thank everybody again for joining, you know, with me, you know, Haley, Aaron, we're going to sign off. We appreciate it. And thanks, you know, for joining and exploring and innovating and keep thriving. Thanks so much. Yes. See you for the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We really appreciate it. If you found this conversation valuable, Go ahead and share it with your network and make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast listening platform to be the first to hear of new episodes. Until then, stay curious, stay engaged, and stay tuned for more amazing insights right here on the 7 Peer Podcast.